Okay, I'll just, I guess I'll just do the intro. I haven't done it in a few weeks anyway, yeah, I don't yeah. think. can't remember. It's all a blur. Uh, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Godzilla Pod War Hour. Uh, my name is Michael Kelly, and with us as always, Nathan Bear. Hi. Hi, Mike. Hi. Good to see you again. Yeah, always, yeah. A, always a pleasure, man. Yeah. Uh, with us today, a man I've known for several years, uh, dear friend, former co-worker, a movie aficionado, um, and uh, yeah, good man, Pat Brennan. Pat, say hello. How you doing, man? Hello, gentlemen. It's, I'm very, very happy to be here and very excited to discuss uh, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla. Yes, yes. 1974. Uh yeah, good good year for movies. Uh, the Lone Wolf and Cub series uh, from Toho had uh, finally come to an end. Uh, and now uh, Toho could finally put money where it belongs in Godzilla. And, uh, Indeed, I, I think the results are quite uh, beautiful. The change mm-hmm. is immediate, and the 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 difference between this and Megalon is just like they look like two different decades that they were made in. Yeah, or it's just like. They re- they really really do. Um, it's it's interesting because I watched Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, and then went back and watched Megalon. And I gotta say, I was kind of you know especially watching Mechagodzilla, I was very surprised. I was like, it's actually a pretty it's a pretty well made film. Yeah. I'm I after listening to previous episodes of just hand wringing, <laughs> you know, I mean the 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 wrinkled brows are are audible. <laughs> during those episodes, so it was, I was very surprised uh, in a good way at yeah. what I saw. Uh, definitely, um, I, I think this is a, a bring back to uh, traditional Godzilla movies. Probably something we haven't seen since Oh Monster Zero right. or You Destroy All Monsters. Perhaps uh, a nice, good, deliciously pulpy script. You know, it's mm-hmm. bad, but it's good bad. Yeah, you don't. You know, it's like a nice, nice piece of. Greasy pizza. It's it's interesting because it's a you know it's it's Yun Fukuda directing again, and he did the last couple. So it's really an excellent exercise in like okay, what is the influence that a director really is having over the material as far as like what can a director as far as Herculean bounds of like trying to make something as good as possible, but if the budget isn't there, if the time isn't there. You know, again, you've got the same guy telling, not the same story. I mean, a lot of the Godzilla films have incredibly similar plots, but like, of course. Yeah. you know, it, this movie is a way more functional film. And, and you can definitely see that Toho has just sort of sat down and was like, look, if we want to continue making Godzilla movies, we can't keep using so much stock footage. We actually have to go out there and make a new movie. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what they did with this one. Well, it's interesting, too, because it's the first. It's unlike previous Godzilla films, at least recently. It also seems one that's generally geared toward, you know, people who kind of understand the concept of a plot and narrative. It's right. it's not a it's not a film for children. Yeah, absolutely, definitely more adults. Absolutely, and it works more with uh, Mr. Fukuda, who uh, did direct, as we've mentioned in previous episodes, uh, you know, crime thrillers you know kind of in the the vein of you know a james bond or uh um, mm-hmm. you know, or other such films so definitely got a bond feel yeah, yeah so this this fortunately brings that all together the good you know godzilla structure where he's against uh a big 
bad foe. Uh, with the fact that the human characters are equally as interesting and they themselves are in equal jeopardy. Right. It's a, it's a classic Sekizawa script where like the humans are impacting what the monsters are doing right, and vice right. versa. Mm-hmm. Pat, it seemed like you had something I, Well, to say no, I mean, so. I, I don't know if I would go so far as to say the humans are as interesting as the monsters, but yeah, yeah, they have something to contribute, I would agree. Well, compared My to... My humble opinion. <laughs> c- compared to the humans in Megalon, who you were hoping oh, would get eaten, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. stepped feel, on, right. trampled, oh, killed. I would well, agree. I mean, the difference from this and Megalon is, guess what? There are humans in this one. Like, and with, women! Yeah, th- this film appears to be filmed in the country of uh, Japan. In sometime in the mid seventies, as opposed to Megalon, which was some sort of bizarre, bleak, deathscape purgatory with only like three people in it and a whole bunch of dead or dying trees. <laughs> the movie is fucking horrifying. Uh, but no, there's actually what do you know? There's there's Japanese people in this movie. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I truly haven't suffered the way you two have suffered. <laughs> We suffer, but you know it's a good, it's a good hurt. It's a, good, it's a dry heat. We're we're, we're, uh, we're loving masochists. I mean, we keep saying, "Oh, I couldn't possibly watch another one," but we do. <laughs> we keep going. This is actually very personal for me. Uh, speaking of masochism, because this was the first Godzilla film I ever saw. Oh wow! I rented this uh, with my friend Nick Gussie, who uh, was previously on the show, circa two thousand one, two thousand two. Uh, just because I kept passing by it. Uh, with the other Godzilla movies at uh, our local video store, Power Video. Uh, and I just thought, you know, I keep hearing about it. Everyone's got the toys, but nobody's ever seen the movie. I'm just going to rent this and Empire Strikes Back. So we watched this movie. With all the blood and the gore, I nearly lose my lunch. Uh, so after finishing it, we, of course, have to even ourselves out by watching uh, Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. Uh with, uh, it's a cleansing double bill. Yeah, a, v- a very, very cleansing double bill. So, uh, but, but even though I was kind of turned off by it, it was still there. Right. I had to see more. Like a mm-hmm. splitter in the back of your mind, <laughs> driving you mad. You, you a scar on your soul. <laughs> a scar on your soul or your face. Um, or face, yeah. The, you mentioned the blood. And yes. it is the yeah. bloodiest, it is the bloodiest Godzilla movie, even yeah. through... All the, you know, all the films that came after it, you know, by far. I mean, you've got, uh, what is the first uh, beam fight in the series where Godzilla launches his fire breath and Mechagodzilla tries to counterattack with its eye beams. They, the beams collide together over the oil refine, refinery in their first fight. Blows them backwards. Godzilla goes into the bay and he's obviously hurt and there's just this fountain of yeah, blood that erupts yeah. and it's Whoa. just like that, how much did he get hurt by yeah. that you know like Absolutely. is his face like cut open or what's going on not to mention there are if i remember correctly two uh how to describe it two like jaw broken jaw jaws rips. yeah jaw rips broken yeah yeah anger is that, that was like gets messed that, up. that was intense that I, was, that, that as was intense really as disturbing as yeah. a 12 year old like I, right. I should have thought you know it's just a man in rubber suit but i was just like oh oh oh, oh okay okay uh, uh well that 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 certainly said uh, it's it's really scale. you know it's really weird you know obviously it's desperation them just clearly just shoving in blood into this weird fantasy world that never had blood before 
But like, I mean, yes, there was blood in other films, especially Gigan, uh, and a little bit in Destroy All Monsters. But the point is, and a little bit in Godzilla Raids again, but in this movie, it's like the blood from a lone wolf and cub movie. Yes. Like, you know, Godzilla gets hit in the side of the neck, and the blood is like jetting out of it. Yeah, like the blood jet. The blood jet, yeah. you know? And it's just like, the it's the inconsistency with the level of violence. If I was like a 10-year-old kid who had kind of grown up with these films, I would be really shocked if I saw this. And, and, and you know, uh, I, would, I would want to know what the hell was going on. Because it's yeah. like watching an episode of Care Bears where all of a sudden they get into a gunfight, you know? And, like, people <laughs> getting their heads blown off. It's just like, we, we watch these movies for fantasy, escapism, and that sort of thing. And um, all of a sudden it turns into... It's a Tarantino very, movie. I was yeah. gonna say it's a very, it's like a very early seventies yeah. kind of take. I almost, if I remember correctly, Martin Scorsese's Mean Streets yes. yeah. ends with a blood jet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's a blood jet in Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. Yeah. So um, came out around the same time as yes. well. That's you know, Martin Scorsese. Is Scorsese, big, you yeah. know, you could see the boxcar Bertha informed by Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so it all, it's all intertwined. It's all together. Jet Jaguar, David Carradine. Yeah. <laughs> Did David Carradine play Jet Jaguar? Mm. Almost certainly not. But, but uh, <laughs> um, tangent that just ends, and uh, there's nothing more to say there. Mm. Um, yeah. Oh, and uh, this one actually has, uh, uh, unlike the last two movies, uh, bankable, recognizable stars. Uh, we have uh, Hiroshi uh, Kozume, who uh, you may remember as the scientist from Godzilla vs. Mothra, as well as uh, the the lesser of the two stupids in Godzilla Raids again. Uh, so he's back. As... And he's also in Ghidra. In the Ghidra, character. yeah. 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 So, uh, so he's he's back. So finally, another familiar face, and then uh, Akihaka Hirata yeah. from uh, mm. the original Godzilla, as well as uh, numerous other in the franchises. Uh, who was uh, he, he? Was Doctor Serizawa in the first Godzilla, and now he's uh, another professor. But this time, this time he's a scientist without an eye patch, and I think that's a significant yes, change in uh, in character. He's got a pipe this time, a very special pipe. Yeah, I mean, it figures into the plot. It's quite important. Yeah. I want that pipe. I want. Yeah. I'm sure they sell pipes like that at like G Fest or something. Yeah, mock-ups of that pipe. That oh, most certainly. Uh, he's fact, a very irresponsible scientist, though, because there's there's not much of the space titanium yeah. around. And he greedily uses up our Earth's possibly only resources of it to make a pipe for himself. Yeah, it's just selfish. Yeah. I think he might have a drug problem. Must be, you know. I, maybe maybe this is just a metaphor for you know uh, governments, uh, you know, waste of money on science and stuff like that. It's a metaphor know. for many things. Yeah. Um, one of the other actors, Kazuya Oyama, who portrays one of the uh, Shimizu brothers, is actually the actor who uh, portrayed Zone Fighter on the show Zone Fighter. And this is one of a couple of movies he was in, but clearly riding on the coattails of, or Toho was hoping to launch him into stardom, you know, from Zone Fighter into Godzilla movies. It's clearly it's an organic thing. It's like, okay, <laughs> yeah. you did the TV, now you can do the movie. Didn't really do that much after this, and it's a forgettable performance at best. Quite. So, uh, but I just thought it was interesting to kind of uh, get back into what we were talking about um, on the Megalon episode with Zone Fighter. 
this is the guy. He's actually in the movie. Not as Zone Fighter, but um, well, there you have it. We also have, uh, you know, as an Interpol agent, uh, Shin uh, Kashida, uh, who is in the Lone Wolf and Cub series. Uh, he plays two different people in the Lone Wolf and Cub series. Uh, in the second movie, he plays a guy, I think, with a club. And then uh, in the fourth one, I believe he plays a rapist. Um, yeah. So... Uh, Moving on up. <laughs> yep. So, and then uh, his mm. counterpart, the uh, Black Hole agent, is played by Daigo Cascio. Uh, and he is in, I believe, three Lone Wolf and Cub movies with the same mustache. The exact same mustache that he has in this movie. Uh, you know, so just, you know... If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Exactly. It's, say it's his trademark. Um, so the music is by Masuro Sato. Again teaming up with uh, Yun Fukuda. And uh, once again, he refuses to repeat any of the pre-established melodies that he's created for any of the other six or so Godzilla films he's worked on at this point. And he's going with all new material and seemingly a completely different direction musically from everything else he's done uh, in the Godzilla series. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a very kind of... Uh, rousing, or it's it's like very bombastic. It's you know? quite bombastic. Yeah. Um, which uh, I always I always kind of dig, uh, dug the the music for this film. I thought it was like it's it's really good. Like making a serious yeah. choice there, and like yes, <laughs> this now this is happening. And the music, uh, one of the main pieces of music in this film is called Godzilla versus Anguirus, uh, that they use towards the end is played back again in its entirety in the movie Godzilla Final Wars. Mm. Because the director of that film, this is his favorite Godzilla film, and his favorite kaiju, uh, King Caesar. Oh! King Caesar. That? Yeah. Uh, uh, l l maybe a little backstory on King Caesar. Um, please. In Japan, it was King Shisa, um, who is a prevalent sort of godlike creature in Okinawa mythology is a combination of a dog and a lion. Of course, when the lazy American distributors brought it over, <laughs> they were like, eh, this is Caesar, 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 Seashell, Seashore. You know, King his, Caesar. His, name, his name's King Caesar, Don Boom Blau. <laughs> you know, so that's how he became King Caesar. Um, and, and then it, it should be known that Okinawa is, uh, I guess, if you were to compare it to anything, is basically Japan, Scotland. Uh, it there there are different people with a different culture who were in nineteen uh, sorry in eighteen seventy nine uh, officially annexed by uh, the Japanese. Um, so they they do have their different rituals. Um, and uh, if you're familiar with the Karate Kid, um, you know that. The karate comes from Okinawa, not Japan proper. Um, so uh, bits of that come into play in the story, uh, and then are, of course, thrown out because yeah. it, they have nothing to this, do with the monsters. Well, yeah, I mean, this, this, you know, on a sort of a side tangent, one could argue the entire podcast is one giant side tangent, <laughs> uh, but this is sort of a mini side tangent in that this was the product of the script writer's third or fourth attempt to write a Okinawa-based Godzilla film and get the Okinawa feel uh, specifically into it. So that's why King you know, Shisa, or Caesar, is here. Because they, they really were, you know, it's a deliberate, um, this is the Okinawa Godzilla movie. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
kind of interesting. And I, for the record, I think King Caesar is awesome. Yeah. And I wish he was in more movies. I would agree. <laughs> he's just a powerhouse. He is. He's, he's just got a, he's got the can-do attitude, you know? Yeah. He has the can-do attitude, has the love of song in his heart. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, he's a more sensitive, if yet still badass. <laughs> yes. Uh, monster. And, and, and ears. Ears. Great ears. Great ears. He's at least part rabbit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would say, yeah, he's he's awesome. And and the nice thing is that this battle, the the final battle, is between monster made by man, a god, and a monster from outer space. Right. So you you've got the three, because it's always been in the past. It's been excluding Mecha Kong, which was experimented with in the past. It's always been Godzilla versus a god, or Godzilla versus another uh, monster monster from earth right you know or a monster i mean the closest you could get is gigan but even gigan is a cyborg right he, he's he's flesh but this is like the machine the this magnificent is like, machine yeah this is i like mechagodzilla yeah you yeah. know i you know, i gave Gidra a lot of flack no such flack for mechagodzilla he's just straight up badass he is 100 percent, and he's got arms too He's got arms, and he's got, got like, arms. I think I counted uh, like 25 things that he can shoot out of, because yeah. it's like all of his toes, all of his fingers, his kneecaps, yeah, like his belt buckle, his eyes, his like mouth. his mouth. He's a total war machine. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he's, he's, he's amazing. And, and mm-hmm. he is a bit of a, a revision or a perfection of the, the Mecha Kong design from nearly a decade before. I mean, 67, 74, not quite. But, you know, um, I, I saw this movie in 1991 for the first time I rented it. I remember it very clearly the first time I rented it and brought it home and showed it to, like, my whole family. We watched the opening credits, and then the Azumi priestess is doing her ceremony in the beginning, and I became very embarrassed. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> my parents were just like, "I'm gonna, we're going to leave now. <laughs> they just left the room, and my brother was like, what are we watching? And then stock footage of then, flames. Oh, yeah, stock footage of Gidra. We'll get to that. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's a better movie than uh, Godzilla vs. Megalon, but I still like that one. Where would you two place this sort of in the series overall in terms of like upper, better? Uh, I think upper it's, scale it's straddling the line, but, you know, okay. but it's, it lands in the upper half. Yeah. It's very explosive. There's no downtime. Yes. Yeah. There is no downtime. Um, and it's well made. and um, It moves. Pretty yeah. straightforward. It moves, yeah. Um, um, I mean, it, it doesn't have the best plot, but it is really well put together so you know if it's going to be bad or cheesy it, you don't feel it right. when no. you watch it you know like mothra i think mothra and the original or sorry godzilla versus mothra and the original godzilla from 1954 i'd say are the best written all right yeah you know the first one's a nuclear allegory and Mothra versus Godzilla is like just a really good Clash of Titans movie with really interesting human characters and just a mm-hmm. just a hint of uh, you know anti nuclear uh, uh, not propaganda 
but uh, yeah. right. but sentiment. sentiment yeah. yeah. So uh, those I think are the best written because they just they work it right. Good characters, mm -hmm. good monsters, good movie. This really cheesy, <laughs> but it's really interesting. <laughs> Right. I'm, I'm not thinking, God, I can't, God, I, right. you know, the, the time, it's just, you know, when, when are they going to fight, you know? Right. So. It's, yeah, absolutely. It's, this is fucking ridiculous. What happens next? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Some interesting continuity things start oh. to come into play <laughs> as far as w what people know, what people have <laughs> witnessed, what, what, what the general population of Japan, how they are keeping track of the events of the Godzilla films and mm -hmm. how that correlates to let's say, certain prophecies. Mm -hmm. uh, but we'll get into that when we meticulously dissect the plot. The film sold uh, 1,330,000 tickets, which was a modest success, but still an improvement over the last few Godzilla movies, especially Megalon. Mm -hmm. um, and in 1977, it was reabsorbed or purchased by our good uh, our good friends over at Cinema Shares who had had so much success with Godzilla vs. Megalon's distribution, if you'll remember. They wanted to kind of recreate that, so they purchased this film and turned it into Godzilla vs. the Bionic Monster um, and were promptly sued into oblivion by Universal Studios, who at the time were showing the television program The Bionic Woman. I was waiting for that tie-in. <laughs> yes, and they were claiming that they owned the word bionic, which I'm not sure... Uh, you know, Mr. Marin, on his commentary for uh, Megalon, st stated that after much deliberation with their lawyers, they realized that there was almost no merit to uh, Universal's claim, or no merit. Uh, but it would have been so expensive to actually bring the case to court that it would have neutralized any profits that they actually would have made from the release of Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla under any title. So they relinquished and they changed the film to uh, Godzilla vs. the Cosmic Monster. But they had already made up several hundred uh, bionic monster prints, uh, which had to be either destroyed or locked away. And uh, they also had posters and advertising campaign paraphernalia, lobby, <clears throat> lobby cards and what have you. Um, so, and Mr. Marin... The the head of Cinema Shares believes that um, that's what led to this film and Godzilla vs. Gigan. He also tried <laughs> to release Godzilla vs. Gigan uh, as uh, Godzilla of Monster Island, um, and neither of them did what Megalon did. So that's sort of the end of Cinema Shares' reign of terror uh, uh, on, on the Godzilla films there uh, in the United States. <laughs>
now, boys and girls, we're going to talk about the plot. Ooh. <laughs> Wait a minute, this movie has a plot? Yes. Unlocked Megalon, this actually has a plot, and a juicy one. Uh, we, we start out with the Toho logo uh, and bongos, and then we cut to Antarctica... And, uh, as we... Well, before we get to that, I just wanted to say the the credits, uh, you know, very scenic, beautiful Japan. But before which... we get to scenic Japan, oh, oh, we I have po- to get. Oh, oh, I apologize! I apologize! I <laughs> you're off up. the podcast. No, no! no! We no! Have, uh, we we do a very a very scenic uh, Antarctica where we find uh, Angerus uh, bombing. <laughs> Sorry, that didn't even make sense. Balming. Yes, we find Angerus uh, tanning in yeah. the moonlight. <laughs> yeah. And uh, wailing out. Uh, actually, probably some of the best... Uh, something about that shot. It's one shot. That, that, yeah. is, that, that could hold up today as just a masterpiece of lighting and camera work. It is beautiful There's just shot. something about that one shot. And then we cut... After Anger starts calling out, presumably to Godzilla or uh, yeah. to Ticketmaster, whoever yeah, sends him say, right the, over there. I think the relevancy. Yeah, um, I think it's because in Megalon he fell through a hole, and that led him to here. Yeah. So, so he calls out, and we see a mountain exploding, and then G- Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla crashes, crashes into us. Right. Quite, quite a lot of explosions. This yeah. is an. Ex- Extremely yeah. explosion-heavy film. Yeah. Now we get to the opening credits, uh, the op- Mr. Pat. The, the beautiful yeah. opening split-screen credits of look like uh, like a tourist's slideshow yes. in yes. Japan. Yes, I think this is the type of thing that they would have on a TV in a in a tourist uh, shop. You know, when you're going to get your tickets to plan your flight or whatever, and you just sort of see this playing in the background with this music, and it's just sort of like nice and relaxing. Like, oh, we need to go... To Okinawa. The th- yeah, great. the thing your you know your, <laughs> your your aunt and uncle show you when they get back, and this was on Okinawa. <laughs> it's so yeah. <laughs> they really they, it's it feels like slides because they slide in and slide out and the like it's so different from what just immediately preceded it yeah. as far as like a million explosions <laughs> and that Godzilla and Becca Godzilla's names flying at the screen and then it's just this kind of. And it's just sort of like, uh, all right, <laughs> you know. It, it, it kind of, it, it kind of fits because Godzilla's been like going all around Japan, so naturally, you know, he's got to end up in Okinawa at some point, right? Yeah, you know, and and like the Bond films, it, they kind of also work in a creepy way, like travelogue films. You know, with this... Bond, it's like, oh, we're going to have to send you to Sweden. You're, <laughs> Maybe, you know, <laughs> okay, brainstorm. Maybe Godzilla is watching the slideshow and he's deciding I need to go to Okinawa. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, yes, yes. The, 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 it looks like ample opportunities for good monstering yes. there, and lots of rocks, lots of big throwable <laughs> boulders. Yes, <laughs> giant forty foot tall standalone rocks. That's what the man looks for in a vacation. <laughs> he has simple needs. <laughs> Uh, so, the the slideshow concludes with a, uh, I think she's unnamed, she's just... Uh, Nami. Uh, uh, Nami. Yeah. Nami. She uh, dresses in the traditional Azumi priestess garb, and she's doing a ceremony, and uh, in the middle of which she has a vision of one of the only... Frightening one. Uh, frightening one. I, I mean, it's de- it is uh, sort of jarring. It's one of the only uses of, of stock, and you can't even call it footage, it's a stock still. Stills. Of uh, Ghidra, it's clearly Ghidra. Although there has been some photo 
processing done to it to sort of obscure the fact that it's Gidra, yeah. but it's still clearly Gidra. And to make matters worse, they have Gidra's roar. So it's like, yeah, it's fucking Gidra. Yeah, yeah, it's, Gidra. it's obviously Gidra. Why don't? Uh, and then she like kind of falls to her knees. And her uh, very grandfather? old grandfather, or possibly Octagarian lover, uh, <laughs> comes to her aid and is like, what is happening? What is wrong? What is wrong? And uh, she says, a monster is coming to destroy us all. And he's like, could you be more specific? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> but he should be. <laughs> this is, okay. Yeah, it's just like, which one? This is, uh, yeah, which one? This, this is part 14, there. right. Just Think somebody... Is this the pterodactyl? Is this the one with the, the heads? Is right. this the, the beetle? The beetle. You would think somebody so spiritually inclined would be better able to interpret their visions. Yeah, yeah, but you know, as a good as a good medium, she of course uh, says that'll be forty five dollars, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming to Azumi Castle. Enjoy Okinawa. <laughs> um, yes, and then the scene ends. Yes. <laughs> I don't remember what happens next. Well, I mean, well we have the two, the, brother, the, the two yeah, brothers, the two brothers are, in, are in the car, and they're both, you know, lovingly talking about, oh, uh, so nice to be here in Okinawa and not, yes. you know, in Tokyo, you know, I, I feel one like of, a one of the Okinawans now. One uh, of them definitely calls the other brother to yes. establish that relationship. Right, so they, they witnessed the priestess having her vision. Yes. yes, yes, one of them was there as a tourist taking photos. Yes. And they mentioned that she... She is a member of the Izumi royal family, you know, yes. so Okinawan royalty, pre-Meiji restoration royalty right there. Yes. You know? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, God. Yes. I remember something now. Um, <laughs> later. Uh, well, fuck it. I mean, the, later on in the movie, like the, the Octagarian lover or, you know, old man. <laughs> He looks like, I don't know, he looks like Yoda with a piece of carpet taped to his face. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a good wig job. Uh, it's not, they did, there's a rush job. He's like, may, may, make a Godzilla, or may Godzilla destroy all of Tokyo and flatten our enemies, you know? It's just like, it's all your fault. Uh, yeah, yeah, and so our Zumi people can re- return to our rightful place as rulers of this land. And that's sort of like when you get like a, a homeless person who's like a Holocaust denier or yeah. whatever. It's just, just sort of like pat him on the head. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, very yeah. good, Grandpa. Yeah. You spout I'll your useless, you. outdated, crazy hate. I'll buy direction. you those french fries, but no more yelling, okay? <laughs> I mean, Nami clearly gives him that look. And, just you know, like, she's just like, take your pills and watch your watch your shows. Yeah, watch your yeah, stories. Harry Mason's on. So, the... Um, one of the brothers goes into a cave, uh, from which he finds uh, a piece of very spin, shiny, a very shiny, very shiny metal. Shiny is important yes. in this film. So uh, now, you know, a normal person, say you and me, would see something shiny, say, "Oh, this is litter." We should probably throw this away so as not to ruin the natural environment of this very, very precious. Cave. cave that right. we've just yeah. uncovered, right? But uh, instead, he he picks it up. Uh, meanwhile, brother number two, uh, there's Zone Fighter. Yeah, <laughs> who's the one with longer hair? Yeah. Oh, okay. So the the other one is going as a construction worker, uh, uh, Kazuki. Kazuki. So he goes uh, to the construction site where he's told that they've unlocked uncovered a cave. 
So, you know, uh, which, of course, caves being big news in Japan, the media is swarming on this already. Right. Uh, Instantaneously. Yeah. So uh, they're trying to keep everybody back. Uh, And uh, that's when, what's this? A female wanders up to the construction site. We haven't seen one of those since Gigan. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Seiko is Mm. her name. And uh, at first... Kazuki is like, what are you doing here? You know, go make me a sandwich. And then she's like, I'm an archaeologist. <laughs> and he's like, oh, he's very confused. Mm-hmm. And there's sort of a kind of a clash there kind of going on there. Or this was their attempt at, you know, pol- political, you know, uh, mid-70s, like women asserting themselves in the workplace. It's, you know, very cartoonish. Yeah. I was going to say, the most yeah. Barbie-looking <laughs> woman with a PhD I've ever seen in my entire yes. life. Um, but she's her hat is is you know looks like Sway's hat from MTV. So yeah, <laughs> ahead of the curve. Yeah, on uh, on fashion there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they go into the cave and they investigate and they find a statue. Yes, yes, a statue of uh, King Caesar, and it's explained uh, Caesar's origins. Uh, you know, as we mentioned before. Uh, Okinawa monster and Seiko mentions that uh, you know Caesar had protected the uh, the Okinawans from people from the mainland. Uh, I guess he decided to do that up until 1879. Uh, right. <laughs> you know, just when all the singing. Uh, yeah. Or maybe they forgot the song. Yeah, they forgot the song. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, and, and then there's a prophecy on the wall that says, you know, something about uh, a mountain in the sky. Yeah. yeah. And when the sun rises in, in the, the west, west. When the red sun. When the but red sun rises. When a, when a black mountain forms in the sky, a monster will come to destroy the world. But then when the red sun rises in the west, um, two monsters will come to save it. Mm-hmm. Which, this is what I wanted to talk about before. Like, it seems like that scenario has happened at least eight or nine times at this point in, in recent Japanese history. Yeah. You know, starting back with Mothra versus Godzilla, or Kong versus Godzilla, mm. you know, it's like... And that's... You, this is really where we start to get into something that is really prevalent in um, the the films in the 1990s, and especially in, in the Millennium series, where you almost have a series reboot every time, but... The continuity. Yeah. What did these people know? What have they witnessed? What events have have actually happened in this universe? Because that, all that starts to get very kind of hazy. Because like, no mention is ever made of. Oh, remember when you know Space Hunter Nebula tried to take us over with Gigan and and Gidra? You know, none, nothing. They're just like, you know, they they treat this as like giant monster coming to destroy us what a strange and unique and interesting and new concept mm-hmm. you know so it's like that stuck out it like a sore thumb to me yeah mm-hmm. so seiko takes Caesar to the her small archaeological institute of okinawa whatever she starts writing her dissertation on this and that is how i made my first that's how I got my first government grant, blah, blah, blah. So uh, uh, we, we uh, find a mysterious man with a mustache uh, peering over her, uh, assumably uh, holding back uh, strong, sensual urges mm-hmm. to sniff her hair. He's um, clearly well-versed in the art of seduction. Yes. Uh, but, you can tell because of the mustache. Yeah. <laughs> but he is, of course, scared away by uh, Shin... Uh, Kaishida, uh, who is sporting a very, very nice uh, sunglasses. 
He uh, comes up behind her, looks through the door the same way the other guy was, uh, and then we pan down to his ring. Uh, we don't know oh, the yeah. significance yeah. of the that ring yet. That reminded me of um Italian horror movie. Suspiria? Well, it's like, yeah, yeah, it, it reminded me of a Gallo horror movie. Mm. It, like, turned into a Gallo movie for, like, two seconds. <laughs> yeah, where it's like, because, like, it, it goes down, and there's a close shot on the ring, and there's that terrible sound effect, which is actually a segue into the plane taking yeah. off. Yes. And it's very, very jarring. Yeah. It's a lot of, kind of, I every cut like that, and yeah. they're used to transition from scene to scene yeah. to scene. They're, like, just a... They're like a bad, cheap version of the match cut in Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like... yet, you know, they like that's something that they didn't even have time to, because all of the, you know, when something like that happens in a movie, that's all a result of uh, planning beforehand. And like, clearly, they had no time on Megalon, so there's nothing like that. But it's like Yu <laughs> Fukuda clearly wants to put things yeah. like that yeah. in his movies and kind of tie things together. So yeah, that was a really cool cut. And so, so now. Uh... Psycho, Seiko and uh, Zone Fighter are on a plane, uh, and they're, you know, just say, oh, it's so nice, we've got this precious piece of uh, Okinawan history right here, and a uh, guy with sunglasses turns around and says, uh, I'm very interested in this too, don't be afraid, but I'm a reporter, because <laughs> right. like all reporters, I have long hair, no pen and paper in hand. <laughs> I know, I'm smoking, smoking is, yeah, right, smoking right. Is- I know Separate. I may be dressed as a sex pervert, but I'm actually a reporter. <laughs> you know, if you if you if I uh, find you know uh, if I get a good scoop, I'll make yeah. a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> and then turns around and right, stops right, talking. Right. Yeah. And, they, and they both look at each other like the fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and then for call some, the police. Yeah. So that that everyone starts looking out the window, and sure enough, the black clouds are formed. Yeah. Uh, a mountain in the sky. Yeah, it's a mountain of clouds. So, but it's like a storm. It's like a triangle-shaped storm, storm cloud. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. is, and reasonably well done, shockingly yeah. enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they go to the professor, the first professor of two, Professor Wagura. Yes, who turns out to be his own fighter's uncle. Uncle, yes. 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 And, and when she says, why did you tease me? He said, I'm sorry. I just wanted to make fun of you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, boy, boys will be boys. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> so they, they, they do translating and then they talk about, they ask about uh, the brother. And they say, oh, well, he went to Professor Miyajina uh, because he's found a s- strange piece of metal in Hachusen Cave. Uh, so they cut to that professor and that lab, uh, and, you know, they're looking at the small piece of metal, uh, they shoot a really cheap laser, you know, clearly a la Star Trek, you know, painted on the print, yep. uh, laser beam, <laughs> and, uh, Dr. Miyajima says, I am positive, this is space titanium. <laughs> Yeah, no joke. This is both in the English and Japanese version. Space, Space titanium. titanium. It's great pulp nonsense. Yes, just yes. delivered yes. with a complete straight face. <laughs> so it's just like what? Yes. <laughs> So, you mean it's space titanium? You mean it's from outer space? Yes. Yes. We go back to Zone Fighter at the first professor's place. <laughs> Goon breaks through the door 
and tries to steal the King Caesar statue that has the inscription and is presumably the key to unlocking King Caesar. And this guy actually has a gun, like a real gun with with bullets. Yeah, not a a roofie gun, a gun gun. (laughs) And um, the, you know, zone fighter and this guy fight. And but the professor just sort of stands there. He gets the gun because the zone fighter knocks the gun out of the you know out of the robber's hand or whatever. But the professor just kind of kind of half heartedly trains the gun on him. And I just kept waiting for him, like just shoot this fucking guy. Like what are you doing? You know, or or shoot the gun up in the air to get him to stop fighting something. But he's just sort of like uh, uh, I don't know what it to is, do with this gun. It is the like it. It's so it's irritating. So, it's so it's literally as though the fight breaks out and his character disappears from the scene completely. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, you don't really it's just talk like, about what the other guys right, do. Right. So I we're mean, just gonna concentrate on this on this fight. At least pistol whip the guy in the base of the spine. Mm-hmm. You know. So the the zone fighter beats the guy up. He runs off. He walks down the street. Nobody's there, and then in the distance you see creepy guy with sunglasses. Creepy guy with sunglasses. So he's out there. So he's out there. Cut from there to explosions. Yeah, lots, lots of explosions. Lots, just a good just, deal of explosions you know, coming out. And then this, like, this has always bugged me. This rock out of nowhere just kind of flies across the screen, and then it crashes, and then Godzilla comes out. All right, this is our first introduction to Godzilla. I, once again, I'm making quotations in the air because I know you all can see me. Godzilla. So, uh, yeah, so this rock hovers. As a kid, I thought the rock had... Godzilla in it, right. and that's how he came out. But like, I think it was just a really. Ba- I think it was just supposed to come really fast, and it just came out looking really slow. So anyway, so yeah. flying rock is a poor choice. Falls. Godzilla quotes again comes out, uh, and everyone is you know oh it's Godzilla, and uh, different from you know other Godzilla movies, the, the military does not yeah. immediately no. step in. The military oh. is. Out of this picture, it's just like, look, we're tired. There's something we could do. Still good now. (laughs) Yeah. So Godzilla comes around. Uh, Zone Fighter says he wants to, you know, drive to his brother to see if he's okay. Um, You know. So Godzilla keeps going on his merry way. Blows up a hotel. Yeah. He 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 knocks it down. Condo share, which you haven't seen in a while, and. You know, the clear-cut differences between the suit acting and, of course, you know, spoiler alert, it's not actually Godzilla. Yeah. Just like, you compare the way this Godzilla destroys this building with how, like, in Mothra versus Godzilla, that Godzilla just sort of, like, walks by the building and just kind of by his lumbering and gigantic nature accidentally destroys it because he's yeah. so big. No, this one is like a focused effort. This yes. is like a workout for him. He's like, I'm going to punch this column, then I'm going to hit this here and tear it apart. It's like... Totally different, you know. Yeah. Totally different. So, uh, Godzilla, <laughs> after blowing up this condo share, keeps walking. When the ground suddenly shakes, uh, he falls over, and out comes our cute and cuddly friend, Anguirus. Yes. Who is very mad, uh, jumps at Godzilla. Godzilla kicks him down. We then crash cut to Zone Fighter in his bright orange car, uh, Which... coincidentally <laughs> like the one from Gigan. And I have to say, Somewhat resembles the General Lee from yeah. Deuce Hazard. <laughs> yes. So, uh, as he's General Leeing his way down the highway, he says, Something's wrong. Anguirus shouldn't be fighting Godzilla. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Anguirus is Godzilla's trusted friend. Yeah. So, Anguirus jumps on Godzilla's shoulder and 
for some reason, a piece of Godzilla's skin comes off, and there's shiny stuff underneath his skin. Mm. Mm. Where else have mm. we seen shiny stuff? Yeah. The, the, the pieces are starting to come together. They're coming together slowly. They're coming together gentlemen, slowly. Gentlemen, but they are coming together. But not before. Before this ass whooping, can we can we talk about this oh, ass whooping? Man. I mean, Angerus really, you know, he starts off the series in raids again, where he gets one of the most devastating monster <laughs> shutdowns ever put to film, and then this is his last appearance until Final Wars. Um, where he had to take thirty years off to, I think, heal up from this because ah, uh, the Godzilla uh, takes like. Rips off his jaw yeah. and, and like Ooh. kicks him in the face and like breaks his neck and like there's blood shooting out and he's like he basically kills it like he fucks him up so bad that it like changes his roar. It sounds yeah. like his voice box has been hit with like an aluminum baseball yeah. bat. And when rewatching this, even though I've seen this a good you know thirty plus times, it's like why didn't he just kill him? Right, you know, just put him out of his misery. Just kill him. Yeah, Yeah, you know, it's it's more cruel to leave him alive after doing that. So, Angus crawls back into his 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 whole. Oh, I've been a bad boy. Uh, You know, and retaking uh, on his burrowing abilities because it was supposed to be Barragon. originally. Uh, that's some insider scoop stuff there. That's why all of a sudden Angus can burrow in this movie. (laughs) Because um, the uh, Varagon suit had been so heavily modified on Ultraman that it's just a useless, yeah. <laughs> you know, heap of rags at this point. Um, so, so yeah, so that's so that's the first, you know, mm, mm, some, something ain't right here. Yeah, something's wrong. You know, Godzilla hasn't, you know, beaten up Angerus in a good, you know, been what, some time. 15 well, movies, you know, 20 years. Yeah. So, you know, th- this is, this is odd. This, this is not the Godzilla we know mm. and... Something Love, cool. you know. Yeah. So Fighter drives up to a tree that's blocking his way, uh, and he notices this brick of metal. Yes. And he takes it to Dr. Miyajima, and the doctor can only say, I am positive this is space titanium. It's exactly like the metal in the cave. You know, so he goes on and off, on and on about, uh, you know, space titanium, when suddenly he drops a pipe. A metal pipe, right? Uh, and uh, you know, normally something like that would be, you know, cut out of the movie. But they go on and say, "Yes, I made it myself. The metal inside contains a strenochrome, and if I separate it in this way, it, you know, uh, releases ions." Right. He so, separates the cup from the the shaft, I guess you yeah. call it, the pipe. And uh, again, quite a nice shaft too. Uh, a very irresponsible of this scientist to take one of the only samples of space titanium and callously turn it into a pipe for his own leisure smoking activities. Dick. But, uh, but it, it clearly, <laughs> as he puts it next to two pieces of science equipment, it causes the science equipment to act sciency yeah uh, and sparks and stuff fly right. out so everyone's like oh that's a very powerful pipe you know too bad there's like no purpose for it at this point in the plot it, it, uh, <laughs> it, it causes the scientific array of equipment to turn into like uh, batman the animated series style equipment where it just bursts into flames mm. and all you have to do is throw a chair at it <laughs> you know and all of a sudden it just bursts into flames <laughs> that is what it's it comes in extremely handy <laughs> later on in the movie um but yes so um they go over to the professor and they're talking about these goings on, and everyone is concerned yeah. that um, you know Godzilla seems to be acting really like his old self. But at, by this point in the series, they're all baffled as to why he's you know yeah. 
So the the Miyajima wants to see Godzilla up close, and of course, like any good family outing, they say yes. This is exactly what we should do: stuff all of us in one tiny orange Dukes of Hazard car and go straight to an oral refinery on fire. Right. So the most dangerous yeah. place I could possibly imagine. <laughs> And it's a good excuse for, like, 200 explosions. Yes. <laughs> so many. <laughs> so many. <laughs> so uh, Godzilla, who now sports uh, orange flame, is uh, blowing up a refinery uh, willy-nilly. Uh, when suddenly, more explosions happen on the other side of the screen. And suddenly... Godzilla appears! <laughs> exactly! The real Godzilla. The real Godzilla. This time. Two Godzillas? What does it mean? Well, huh? after, after they... Uh, after... Godzilla comes out and starts shooting his breath and beating up this other Godzilla, it's, aha, I know it. The other one is a cyborg. You could call it a Mecha Godzilla. That's right. So uh, Godzilla starts to tear off bits of the uh, imposter's uh, skin, and we cut to an evil lair. A, a good juicy evil lair with a bad guy who's you know sporting a cigar you know silver uniform you shiny know, shiny uniform with uh, electric stuff going on next to him and uh, it, uh yeah he's got strange a, a, face strange shiny face makeup. shiny face makeup and he, he's got uh bourbon in, in a in a glass you know this is a bad guy so they're watching this fight uh from the safety of their uh they don't, they don't seem to be... Oh, the, the bad guys yeah. are fine. Yeah, continue. Sorry. So, that, it, it, it's like, ah, you, you found us out, Godzilla, but you're, you're mistaken if uh, you think you're going to beat Mecha Godzilla. Well, and no match for him. So, uh, he flips a few switches, and dun, dun, dun. Cool bongo music starts playing. <laughs> uh, Does the, it ever. The God... God the imposter Godzilla's skin melts off, and we see... Mecha Godzilla. No, it's glory. it's star wipes. It's star like wipe, it, it's yeah. like you know, it's sparkle wipes. It <laughs> looks like a you know effect from like a Saturday Night Live, you know, special musical guest. You know, <laughs> it's just like sparkles. <laughs> Mecha Godzilla. It's uh, it's amazing. Yeah. So we see all his array of weapons. He's got missiles on his fingers, missiles on his knees, missiles on his toes. Just missiles, missiles everywhere. Everywhere. Uh-huh. So and that you know with bongo music. So, uh, he, the guy switches another button, and uh, Mechagodzilla starts uh, shooting his laser beam at uh, Godzilla. Yeah, and, and really, they they go at it for a bit, but they don't actually physically fight that much. It's more just an exchange of volleys of, of, of uh, different uh, weapons. Mm. Um, and... Uh, like I said before, they have it climaxes with that beam fight um, where they shoot their breath, or he, sh- uh, Mechagodzilla shoots his eye beam, Godzilla shoots his atomic breath, and there's a Gigantor-sized explosion. Everyone, including all the human characters, are blown backwards, and uh, they kind of have to get up. And the the editing is really dynamic in this sequence, and you can see like, you know, Pat mentioned the, there's so many explosions in this movie, and you know, this has had to have been really cutting edge at the time. The just the quickness uh, 
of, of the, the rapid fire nature of these the, you know, the, the edits and the explosions because um, it still holds up today. It's like you're watching it today and you're like, oh, it's, you take it easy, back off yeah. a little bit <laughs> on the explosions. This is overkill, you know, in 2014. So, yeah, yeah it must have been nuts to watch it back then. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, then the plot continues to... To lurch forward. Yeah. So, uh, Mecha Godzilla. So, so Godzilla, as we mentioned uh, previously, uh, he starts. Uh, you know, he falls into the water and just blood. You know, yeah, rises just up. Huge geyser. And, and then um, Mecha Godzilla seems to also be damaged, uh, and uh, the chief reluctantly goes, uh, "All right, bring Mecha Godzilla back to our evil lair." And so they for repairs. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> they get back for repairs. Yeah. Take him to the auto shop. <laughs> So uh, we need to get some suspension work done <laughs> on Mechagodzilla. So he flies back. Oh, oh yeah, he can fly too. He can fly. Yeah, he can fly. That's pretty great. He can talk. He can talk. He can <laughs> sing. <laughs> no, no, he can't. No. no. Uh, so. I could go forward with the Planet of the Apes, the musical stuff. <laughs> we don't have time for it. So, uh, yeah. So he flies back. And, uh, and and the scientist says, "Ah, I am positive that the space yes. titanium is, you know, fra- is the same from Mechagodzilla. We'll find the answer in Chakusen Cave." Right? Isn't this where he sit- he also says, "Like clearly, he's controlled by spacemen." Yes. Yeah, yeah. I am no, positive it's not he's aliens. being controlled by spacemen. <laughs> it's you know. spacemen. Um, and at this point, you think, like, okay, professor, you have this knowledge. Why not get the entire Japanese defense force? And just a nuclear bomb, and just go to the cave and just set it off. Yeah. And but they're like, no, you will pack some sandwiches, grab a fanny pack. <laughs> the three of us will go in there and investigate. And I'm sure everything will go exactly according to plan. You know, <laughs> they go to the cave and immediately get you know caught and, and held yeah. prisoner. But they go, <laughs> they go, they go in twos. Right. So are not twos, but they go in two separate groups. So uh, Zone Fighter and Seiko yeah. uh, take a leisure cruise while uh, the other, while Professor <laughs> Miyajima and others take an airplane uh, and end right. up. They decide to split up and take yeah. different, you yeah. know, slower paths for yeah. com- totally arbitrary. <laughs> Reasons. Yeah. I, I don't. Like, well, I think they I say it because the... at, at this point they realize that they're at, people are after the statue. We're not sure what's going on, but the statue seems to be causing trouble. We're going to go in two separate groups. One group is going to take air, like you know a normal person would, Tokunawa. The other two, Seiko and Zone Fighter, are going to take a leisurely cruise on you know o- Okinawan cruise. Ferry. Yeah, Sapporo Ferry. So, uh, ooh. Uh, so yeah, um, so yeah, they... I, I believe they say at one point they're like, ah, oh, foolish spacemen, we fooled them, they'll yeah. never find us here. <laughs> little do they know. Little do they know. They underestimate the power of these particular spacemen. So, yeah, so they go to, um, so they're on the cruise, uh, and in the middle of the night, Mustache Man comes in to the room and takes the statue. Uh, zone fighter chases him down. Uh, actually, no, before that, he gets in, the mustache man gets injured. His face mutates into a green gorilla. Yes, he looks... Half a green gorilla. Yeah, half a green gorilla. Half a green gorilla. The aliens in this movie look like 
Planet of the Apes makeup except green. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. That, I think that was the instructions from the production designer. Like, Have you seen Planet of the Apes? Do that makeup except green. <laughs> no one will ever know. Uh, and we'll use the Lon Chaney Jr. Wolfman transformation technique from 1932. Indeed, or 1941. Whatever the Wolfman. There came are some on. hilarious uh, freeze frame yes. transformations. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, he runs out going. <laughs> Uh, out of the room. Uh, gun still in hand. Uh, or no, he doesn't have the gun. So his own fighter is chasing him around with the gun. Uh, mustache gorilla man, uh, has disappeared. He's, they're on the, uh, the, I guess the poop deck of the ship, uh, uh, at night or early it's morning. Da- it's terrible day it's for night. Really yeah, yeah, really day for night. night. <laughs> it's a terrible day for so, night. They're, they're going there. Uh, it's like partly cloudy. I know. <laughs> So, so uh, in the middle of there's night... People, there's people sunbathing on <laughs> <out> the <of> deck. <laughs> hey, you guys don't like, mind if we shoot here, do you? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's like you're ruining the illusion. This is nighttime. <laughs> so they... So, uh, Mustache Gorilla kicks, you know, jumps on him, get, uh, takes the gun away, like, has the statue. He points... To him, you know, to basically go go to the side of the ship. I'm going to then shoot you, and you will yeah. fall into the water, and no one will ever know. Uh, unfortunately, another gun appears and shoots Ape Man with the statue, and they fall, and they both fall lovingly into the water. Uh, who shot him? I don't know, but uh, suddenly, uh, you know, uh, Seiko comes running to uh, Zone Fighter's aid. Uh, she says, you know, what happened? Oh, I don't know. I think he was shot. And then a uh, guy with sunglasses appears. Uh, <laughs> and he says, oh, you guys should be safe. You know, a night like this is for love, you know, or something like yeah. that. Uh, I'm going to go back to getting my tan. And <laughs> I mean, my tan, because it's daytime. <laughs> Sorry, Yoon. Yeah. It's clearly so- so uh all this time you know they're like oh the statue is gone but uh turns out once they make it into port that the uh real statue was with the captain (laughs) yeah the entire time who was the guy who played fujita from king kong versus godzilla coming Uh, back and again uh, trying to link up because this was the 20th anniversary godzilla movie trying to get that it's been basically stunt casting from stars from the series so nice to see him for like two seconds (laughs) and you know once again oh you should have told me you know first is oh you should have told me he was your uncle oh you should have told me you took the real one and replaced it with a fake and then made me worry about she i think he never got over the fact that she tricked him or like you know that she was an archaeologist and a woman at the same time so yeah. he spent he the rest had of the day like tricking her he just had to pay her back for that yeah. right he's for getting yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he has to reestablish maybe her in his mind her like stupidness or whatever by continuously going further into more and more ridiculous heights of just flat out lying to her and tricking her to make her seem like stupid it's like haha i bet you thought that was the real king star caesar statue it's like yeah you told me it was oh blame it on the patriarchy yeah really it's just this guy's having a mental breakdown really. <laughs> just like a woman and not a reporter why what is this word coming she to? can't be an archaeologist no We'll make her see the truth. Ah. Next, like, you'll tell me she can drive. 
Yeah, this is like the game starring Michael Douglas. It's like, <laughs> ridiculous. It's like, cut the shit and just be honest with this woman. Tell her what the fuck is happening already. Christ. <laughs> oh, man. She, she's, a, so, she's a fucking archaeologist. She's smarter than you. She should be running this goddamn operation, man. Anyways. Oh. So, uh... The other professor and his daughter and uh, and brother number two uh, decide to go into the cave. Uh, right? The cave, uh, which they are immediately crash zoomed, and uh, <laughs> we we crash zoom to people with uh, flashlights uh, who are uh, men in spacesuits. Yes, presumably the spacemen. Yes. Mm-hmm. that the professor was talking about. So they, of course, take them into their secret lair that's in Jehusen Cave, uh, where we finally get to our characters meet. Uh, so uh, the the professor is introduced to the leader of the third planet of the black hole. Portrayed, yes, uh, sorry, portrayed by Goro Matsumi, and uh, his character is Crew um, Uma. Kuruma? I don't know. Black Hole Alien. Black Hole Alien. Yeah. Black Hole Alien. What, uh, what is this name? What? I can't read that. Kurus Numa? <laughs> Kurosawa. Yeah, Klaus he's... Nomi. Klaus Nomi. Klaus Kinski. <laughs> Klaus Kinski, yes. <laughs> so so uh, Klaus Kinski introduces his, you know, Black Hole Alien groupies. And, and you know, of course... You know, you know. Ah, we're going to conquer Earth with Mechagodzilla. By the way, he's broken, and uh, if we tell our leaders, they're going to write us a really, really nasty report. Yeah, uh, and that's we, going to come up on next paycheck. So we're going to force you to fix Mechagodzilla for us. So yes. We can conquer the world. Yes. Yeah. Here's the thing: we could fix him, but or we need to fix him, and. Uh, Ah, uh, tell what you said. Say <laughs> <laughs> so yes, you know, doesn't this make your mouth water? You know, oh, by the way, we're going to keep uh, your daughter and your, you know, your male friend, you know, in in a prison until you... Uh, the execution room. Yes, the execution room, until you decide uh, to come to your senses. Nate, <laughs> I, I, hate, I hate to do this to you, but I have to correct you now, after going the majority of the episode, this character is actually the guy who played Zone Fighter, not the other guy. Yeah, because this is the the guy with the longer hair. Oh God, damn it! (laughs) That's just so the the people listening don't come down on us like a ton of bricks. Ton of bricks. Uh, I knew the whole time. I was just waiting for the right time. There was no right time. There was no right time. I didn't mean to betray you. You you betrayed me. This is so zone. (laughs) Just take just take me to the execution (laughs) room. Yeah, take me. God damn it! They take (laughs) they take him to the execution (laughs) room. That's the name of the room. (laughs) So all right, so they take. Now Zone Fighter, they take the Zone Fighter brother (laughs) and and the other and no the other professors the other other woman (laughs) uh, the professor's daughter uh, the professor who isn't the uncle's daughter to the prison room and of course uh, now uh, it you know the the pipe professor says all right fine I'll, I'll fix them do whatever you want but just keep them alive so which M- i have to Jimma i have to say like daughter's say. life or planet earth because yeah. if he doesn't help 
They're yeah, they're yeah. fucked. Yeah, <laughs> Mecha Godzilla's fucked. Yeah. Right, they have and no he's plan. like, oh, well, you know, I don't really like this this old dirt ball anyway, <laughs> but I care about my daughter. Right. So the bottom line is, they can't take over Earth with uh, fifteen green monkey men. <laughs> they're not like you know, I, one I, tank I, done. I, you I know? kind of expect <laughs> Spock to just pop out and say, uh, you know, Miyajima, the needs of the many weigh the needs of the few. I'm not. I'm not in this movie, but I just. I had to. Had to yeah. say that. Okay, keep rolling. <laughs> Buy my single Bilbo Baggins. Um, so, yeah. So the professor, he agrees. He agrees to rebuild yeah. the magnificent machine. Yeah. So, and which he does by himself, apparently. <laughs> yeah. You know, just uh, I mean, no, at least some interns or something. You know, this I think would have been a fascinating montage <laughs> yeah. that we missed out on. But no, we just cut back to the professor, like wiping his some grease off. He's of his kind hands. of sweaty. He's a yeah, little... he kind of mops his brow a little yeah. bit. He's like, "Wow, that was tough." <laughs> yeah. Fixing Mecha Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> Good thing I had that set of Allen wrenches that I got for Christmas <laughs> in my back pocket. Those really came in handy. <laughs> so, so Seiko and not now Zone Fighter are you know wait, waiting around, you know for for you know they they don't know what's what's going to happen, so they decide to go into the cave, uh, where Crash Zoom again. Uh, they another, find the pipe. Yeah, now they find the pipe and crash zoom into uh, another bad guy with a flashlight. Well, I, I really, I really wanted to be specific about the shot where they find the pipe because clearly this is a one of a kind pipe. It's made out of space titanium, mm. but still, even so, and even so, even though he showed him the pipe earlier in like you know ten minutes earlier or whatever, they still have to turn the pipe over and see the professor's initial. That's yeah. right. <laughs> Tommy Wiseau. Uh, he wears uh, sunglasses where there's almost no light. Um, this man refer- reveals himself to be Nambara, uh, an Interpol agent. Who Which is, is very interesting, because Interpol, the uh, international police organization, uh, according to Wikipedia, is not allowed to make arrests. So This uh, guy kills at will. Yeah, I mean, like, Bond does not have shit on this. this guy, Daniel Craig. Shouldn't he be busting people for pirating movies? <laughs> no, the way, the way this guy kills people in this movie, he reminds me of, like, Chow Yun-Fat in, like, a John Woo movie circa 1989, 1990. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just so... He's, a, he's beautiful at the art of murder, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it comes and enjoys in very handy. Yeah, yeah. clearly enjoying himself. Um, so, yeah, this guy's a pretty cool character. I kind of wish he would have come back at some point, but... So he introduces himself, uh, he, ta- he takes, uh, the tubby guard, uh, he, he, he drags him over, you know, makes him reveal where the door is to the secret cave, and have him say the, you know, 
I, again, the English dub, I forget in the Japanese, but in the English dub, the code is, the guy on the other side says Alpha, and the other one says uh, Centaurus. Yeah. Alpha Centaurus. Uh, so that's, that's the code to get in. So uh, he then beats, so the door opens, he then beats both the people up, uh, chokes one of them, he turns into, you know, yeah. monkey. Yeah, in monkey in man. the freeze frame yeah. of him choking yeah. him, it's <laughs> the magical, magic of the movies! <laughs> like That must have taken a long time. Yeah. Like, yeah. did that actor have to just stand there with that guy in the headlock while they put the makeup on him? Very uncomfortable, yeah. I would think, after, Quite. like, the Quite. hour three, you know. Hey, this is Toho. He was already working on, you know, Lone Wolf and Cub. He probably just needed that extra sake money. Yeah. So, uh, so... Kurosawa's going gambling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so they, uh, they take off, uh, the, the... Not Zone Fighter and Interpol put on the the silver ape uniforms, which uh, I'm sure Austin Powers, yeah, yeah, uh, and, and they go, you know, searching for the professor. Uh, the professor, you know, says, uh, "I finished it." You know, where's my daughter and 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 the friend? Uh, and they say, "Oh, well, we'll, we'll just uh, lovingly take you uh, over right. to this room uh, and fooled you. It's actually a killer sauna." Yes. So uh, steam starts pouring into the room, and you know the the temperature meter starts. We've all riding. been there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, I gotta say, not enough towels. Not enough no, towels. No. And every seat burns. Yeah. yeah. Every seat they sit on, another blast of steam yeah. burning them. Now, it would have been easier to just, you know, kill them. You yeah. Know, to just get, I mean, at this point, they're, they're, it's not like they're of any use yeah, anymore. Yeah, the, these they, black they, hole they... aliens are sadistic sons of bitches. Yeah. Because this is going to take a while to kill them in this yeah. killer sauna. I mean, uh, imagine it's going to be a painful up on death. That? Yeah. Plus, you this know. professor knows how to repair Mechagodzilla. Yeah. Hello. Might be kind of, again? you know, useful in case he gets defeated by Godzilla in like 15 minutes, assholes. Yeah, uh, you know what they say about black hole aliens. Uh, you know, exactly. Uh, <laughs> especially the ones from the third planet. I mean, they're just, yeah. you know. The second I mean, not planet. first. Yeah. Third. Third. Says it all, folks. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Interpol, uh, Seiko, and not Zone Fighter break in, they, they they take the professor out, uh, they're held up again, Interpol shoots the two aliens, because he can, right. uh, really stealthily, yeah. or, sorry, skillfully, skillfully, skillfully shoots the two guys. Uh, Stealth's gone out the window at then, this point. Then they all run out, uh, they go into the, they, they go towards the car, the uh, the main bad guy he sees it on his screen and he says, Goodbye, stupid humans. Uh, Interpol, s- smart, you know, thinking before they turn on the key, he says, Wait a minute, pulls out a string, the car explodes. Uh, the same car from Gigan. Yeah, the same you. explosion. The general yeah. Gigan. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the second use of stock footage. So, uh. In the movie, but. Yeah. Very limited <laughs> and very smart. Really done. So yeah, it better it was better the stock footage was better used in this movie than it was originally in Guy Game. Yeah. It was just you Ironically. Know, yeah. <laughs> uh God. So anyways. So Interpol says, I'm gonna go back and take care of those bastards. Uh not Zone Fighter and Seiko, why don't you two guys uh go over to uh 
Why don't you two the guys Izumi go over temple. to the Izumi Temple and uh, see if you can work the whole Caesar mystic uh, spell thing? Yeah, uh, get, see, get King yeah. Caesar out yeah. here on backup. You yeah. need a backup monster. Yeah. <laughs> so Professor uh, Zone Fighter uh, and Interpol go back into the the cave. They start, uh, you know, beating people up and shooting people, taking and them down. People. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <clears throat> meanwhile, not Zone Fighter and Seiko go uh, to the temple where. Uh, the uh, grandpa, uh, who has clearly not had his medication today, <laughs> and, oh. uh, among oh. other things, he's yelling. And, yeah. and Nami are uh, being held up by some, you know, black hole guys. And uh, you know, of course, ha ha ha! Give us the statue, or we'll kill them. And Grandpa, of course, says, you know, it's your fault. You know, uh, even though I've never met you before, if you guys hadn't taken that statue from that cave that even I didn't know about, <laughs> this never would have happened to us. Uh, fortunately, that stopped one, the other Interpol agent, who you know, was briefly alluded to, but barely mentioned, uh, in a crash zoom, uh, right. shoots them and says, oh, hi, yeah, I was the guy from the crash zoom earlier. Uh, <laughs> uh Wait, I'm another crash zoom? Crash zoom when, uh, Seiko's, like, pacing around in the apartment oh. building and it's mm-hmm. crash zoom back. You know, and, and it's just, there's this guy, another guy with sunglasses. Hey, I'm Phil. Yeah, hey, hey. Hey, I'm going to be important later. Uh, just you wait, Ma. Uh, so he says, uh, well, it's time to fulfill that prophecy. And uh, sure enough, the sun rises in the west. The red sun. And then it turns out, ah, that's what they meant. It was a mirage. <laughs> sun rising in the west. Because when the other sun was going down and there was mist on the other side, it created the illusion that the sun was rising. Of course, uh, of course. Uh, uh, oh, how we laughed. Uh, so, uh, it's time to activate Caesar. Yeah. So they put the fucking statue and they stare at it. They stare, they stare at the sun. They stare at the statue again. Statue, people, statue, people. And the mountain. Yes, and the mountain. And suddenly, beams come out, and ah, uh, King Caesar, who's asleep. Right. He's, uh, asleep. he's asleep. So, uh. Sleeping one off. So, <laughs> so cut back to, uh, the Valair. It's, uh, Chief. They've, uh, freed King Caesar. So, uh, the Chief reluctantly says, oh, I guess we'll have to kill him. So, uh, he, he now, for some reason, can just, uh, talk, talk, talk on his, to, yeah. Talk to Mechagodzilla. <laughs> it's just like, okay, we're using our, uh, our, uh, our human clock, we're going to now say, all right, now we're going to launch Mechagodzilla. So, they launch Mechagodzilla. Mechagodzilla very slowly starts walking over to King Caesar, giving the humans enough time to have the Azumi princess sing the King Caesar, please wake up now and start monstering things song. Yes. Uh, I think that's probably the best part about this and even Mothra versus Godzilla is when you have to have a, is when a musical number, it's not, it's a non-musical, but a musical number is key to the plot, (laughs) you know, and such a long one too. Oh, it is. You know, and, and the thing, I love the song. It's just like, I have to fast forward it. Well, the first time when I watched it, I was like, because it seems like there's just one verse too many, you know, where it's like, they really could have cut about two full minutes from this sequence. It's like, no, we paid the songwriter, we're getting the whole, we're getting our whole 500 yen's worth of this. They're basically like, something about King Caesar around the length of Bob Dylan's Like a Rolling Stone. (laughs) So, uh, so Caesar wakes up, roars, and, uh, 
Uh, yeah, he and roars. He, and he gets to it. And he, and he gets to it. And his ears perk up. Yeah. His, his ear- ears perk up when he sees uh, Godzilla. Everyone's happy. Cut to the professor uh, and Interpol and Zone Fighter uh, running to... Uh, Running into the command center where they're uh, stopped by uh, painted on lightning uh, that keeps them from from moving, and you know the bad guy says, "Oh, by the way, we knew where you were coming. Uh, you know, I'm amazed that you're still alive, but you shouldn't underestimate us." Uh, <laughs> we then cut to Mechagodzilla shooting his laser beams at King Caesar, and in the odd twist of fate, Caesar sucks in the laser beam into one eye and shoots it right back at Mechagodzilla through his other eye. That's why, if you needed another reason to love King Caesar, you just got one. This guy (laughs) is just a real pro. He's a real champ. He's getting down to business. He knows how to fight. He does know how to fight, and he's awesome. It's good to be a god. (laughs) He, you know, I've seen schematics and and sort of like like an inside of his anatomy, and he's made out of like bricks and like wells (laughs) and like, you know, things like... uh, like he's he's built Proper like a mill laser transportation. or like a you know a windmill <laughs> sort of like gears and wooden stuff is supposed to be and so he's supposed to be like a machine but like King's a godlike thing oh. um but like an ancient machine like the infernal machine type mm-hmm. thing he's pretty cool I I wish he was in more movies but yeah he fights with Mechagodzilla for a while and and. Stands his ground, if not, is sort of defeating Mechagodzilla. But then, haha, Mechagodzilla switches to missile-based attacks, which King Caesar unfortunately cannot absorb and return the volleys of. Instead, they impact upon his, uh, you know, being. So he has to hide behind a rock. Which then Mechagodzilla blows away with a chest gun that up till now we didn't know he had. So, so. <laughs> if only there was another monster that could fight Mechagodzilla. Yeah, I know. And uh, suddenly who appears? Godzilla. Woo! Yes. They release the robotic Richard Sibbitt. Yes. No, <laughs> no suddenly uh, Godzilla jumps out of the water and it's like, now, now we're... Now we've got it, you know. Yeah. We've got a good monster fight. So uh the Caesar and uh Godzilla attempt to uh double you know, to DP uh yeah, as it exactly. were uh Mecha Godzilla. Yeah. I think that's the appropriate analogy. Uh and Mecha Godzilla proves that he can turn his head around so he can fight both ways at the same time. Uh which, you know, yeah. That's a really cool shot. because um, you've got King Caesar on the like far left of the frame and up in the space as far as like the vanishing point. And then you've got Godzilla kind of down and, and Mecha Godzilla right in the middle. You know, again, just they had more time. They could frame up stuff. They could try mm-hmm. things. They were planning things out. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a cool fight. It is a very cool fight. I recall at one point Godzilla grabs him, grabs Mecha Godzilla schoolyard style. And gives uh, King Caesar lets him get a bunch of free shots. Yeah, in there. yeah. yeah. It is is some it is a it is a street fight. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so Mechagodzilla shoots them with like everything he's got. Um, King Caesar gets knocked out. Uh, Godzilla tries to take on Mechagodzilla by himself. Mechagodzilla flies, starts cause you know, shoots Godzilla enough where he starts to bleed yeah, like yeah. profusely from the chest, the neck, the jet, mouth, jet, you know, like, jets, yeah. you know, the good, you know, lone wolf and cub or, you know, uh, kill bill, 
you know, style blood just everywhere. Um, we cut back to the base where the professor uses his pipe, unscrews the shaft from the cup, and throws it uh, betwixt the the controls of Mechagodzilla. Mm. And uh, this causes a malfunction in the controls, and they explode, and the Interpol agent gets a gun free and shoots the main black hole agent in the throat. Yes. Which I thought was really awesome. Mm-hmm. He got the green blood jet from his throat. Again, hyper-violent, you know, mm. and uh, mm. necessary, we don't know yet. But yeah. uh, in true James Bond fashion, the auto-destruct sequence just starts <laughs> on the base. So now we're going. They have to get out of there, and the fight rages on, and Mechagodzilla's thrown off his game a little bit because I guess he's going on automatic controls now. Yeah. So uh, Godzilla... Figures out uh, if we we forgot to mention this earlier, but uh, he's struck by lightning briefly, and I guess suddenly becomes this big magnetic force. Yeah. So he uh, brings Mechagodzilla down to the ground. Uh, so Mechagodzilla isn't able to fly away because uh, logic. Ah, uh, that, that mm-hmm. that's why. Uh, so he and uh, King Caesar continue to DP the crap out of uh, Mechagodzilla. <laughs> just it, keep ramming him, ramming him, and ramming they continue him more. to 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 double team him in a way that you know they overcome they overcome him eventually, and you know Godzilla gets a hold onto his head and uh, twists his neck around, yeah, and pulls off his head, and it explodes. So they, yeah, he does a fatality on and Mechagodzilla. It is, and it rains to space titanium. Mechagodzilla, the magnificent machine, is defeated. Yeah. In the meantime, the professor, uh, zone fighter, and um, their other friend are trying to escape. Interpol! Interpol! Yes, uh, thank you. Uh, the Interpol agent are escaping from the exploding base, and um, they don't quite make it, I guess. The yeah. base explodes, and they all get vaporized. Something's not, I don't not know. really. I, I thought they were at the end, though. Like no. I could. No, they weren't at the end. Okay. No, because the other guys like they won a kind of victory. Oh right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. So I guess they all got killed. Yeah. <laughs> so they put the the Caesar statue. So Caesar. So Godzilla goes back into the water. Caesar goes back into his cave. Uh, the statue is then put into uh, its proper place. Uh, the grandpa's happy again, and uh, the girl and uh, Nami starts running around because, uh, yay, yay, I got insurance. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think, yeah, that that uh, that little part that we just described was cut out of the uh, <clears throat> the cosmic monster version of the hmm. movie. It just showed like. I I guess it just said the end, and like the, it had a, a picture of the, uh, the King Caesar statue back in the shrine or whatever. But yeah. it cut out all that other stuff of them being like happy and the resolution. Yeah, it's just like your father's achieved a victory. Yeah, a kind of victory, <laughs> <laughs> which I'll, maybe would have been more appropriate. Yeah, if they just would have been like uh, would have been very early seventies. Yeah, yeah downbeat. Just ending. Yeah, yeah, it's just like oh, he's dead. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. the Robert Altman. Yeah. Just like he won a kind what? of victory. Yeah. <laughs> Forget like, it. All it's the main okay. characters were all... <laughs> forget it. It's Godzilla. Forget it. It's Okinawa. Yeah. No, it's really brutal. Because it's like, you, you're really pulling for this professor, the Interpol guy, and um, and Zone Fighter, and they just get taken out. And it's just like, Jesus, there's some stakes in this movie, you know? Um, pretty great. Yeah. Um, and the explosion of the base is fucking ridiculous. Yeah. As far as, like, the... 
like the editing of the sound effects and it's just like yeah sounds it, it sounds great. like 200 explosion sound effects in in 20 yeah. seconds i mean it's like yeah it's ridiculous i i i think this is like a, a really good film uh this is also i had had the vhs for years but it wasn't until the dvd came out i was coincidentally taking a film class in high school and i really couldn't understand the concept of widescreen uh even though it sounds really simple, I really just couldn't understand the difference between pan and scan and widescreen until I bought this DVD, and it was in widescreen, uh, and I finally, through the fight scenes, I was able to see, oh my god, I was missing half of the action, you know? And so, of course, I naturally came running and groveling to my film teacher and saying, I, 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 I get it now! I get it! You're smart! <laughs> yeah. Um, I always enjoyed it just for its kind of its energy and mm. it does seem like sort of a kind of a its own thing you know mostly due to king caesar's presence really is the personal stamp on this movie it seems like you know after destroy all monsters you get a series of films in a row where you get a bunch of one-off monsters because before that you have this sort of accumulative thing where it's like okay now mothra's going to be in every movie and now rodan's going to be in every movie and fuck it let's throw in gorosaurus a few times or mm -hmm. whatever but then after destroy all monsters it's sort of like you know you got hadora one time all right he was in there okay he's good out boom never heard from again okay you, you know gigan's in there twice but then, you know, no Megalon or Jet Jaguar and no more King Caesar. It's sort of these, you get a series of these one and done, uh, you know, kaijus yeah. in the series. Um, so it's, you know, so every movie kind of has this sort of unique feel to it. And uh, yeah, it's a, definitely a, a solid entry. Yeah. Sir? Well, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, as you said, both for its energy, for its cheesiness. Um it was a lot of fun, and it, you know, as you say, you're laughing through it, but you never, you're never looking at your watch. You're never, you know, wondering when is this going to end. Um, it was, it was thoroughly enjoyable, and I have to say, as somebody who never really got into Godzilla at all until I started listening to this podcast, um, it's, yeah, it's. I can't wait to watch more. You are in luck because there is a direct sequel to this called The Terror of Mechagodzilla that came out the next year, mm -hmm. which we will be talking about next week. Um, and that was the last of the Shawa-era Godzilla films. Yeah. The so, grand finale. Grand finale. Does, does Godzilla's design or anything change in the... Between the two? Yeah. Mm -mm. Okay. Well, not, I was... not that it's Mechagodzilla's, really. There's a few very obscure things, but... Um, they both pretty much look exactly the same. Because I was curious about the eyes. Because having never watched Godzilla at all before, I kept wondering where I had seen very similar eyes to Godzilla's that don't blink, that don't change, yeah. and are still hypnotic. And I think they're the same eyes as uh, in the movie The Beaver. <laughs> <That's>, uh, <laughs> <starring> <laughs> They are like just hypnotic, you know. Godzilla roars. The beaver says, "I'm gonna save your life," and it's they're, they're, they're both hypnotic and you know, cartoonish powerful. yet stern, yeah. yes, you know, and like, authoritative yet childish. Mm -hmm. Much like just, Godzilla, just an observation. Yeah. I'm sure there there was a plan to have Godzilla convince making Godzilla <laughs> to cut off his own hand. <laughs> oh, Mel. <laughs> 
Come back to us. Yeah. Come back to sanity. <laughs> Mel Gibson was in the Beaver. Google it. Um, all right, I think that about does it. Yeah. Well, thank you both, gentlemen. This was oh, a our real pleasure. pleasure. I really appreciate it. It's also my first podcast I've ever done. So, yeah. Thank you again very much for having me. You can follow us on Facebook at the Godzilla Pod War Hour. Also, we do have a Tumblr account, yep. which we are making great strides uh, towards figuring out how to use. Mm-hmm. And then we have a Twitter account as well, uh, which is Michael Kelly at Godzilla Pod War. So, as always, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Um, the fastest way to find us is just search for the Pod War Hour, because if you search for Godzilla, <laughs> there's this whole bunch of other stuff that comes up. So we are the only thing that has the Pod War, the hyphen between them. So that'll really, you know, yeah. make it much faster. Um, yeah, I guess for Nate Bear, Pat Brennan, this is Michael Kelly. Everyone, you know, have a good week and thank you for listening. And uh, you know. Make a Godzilla, the magnificent machine will return. <laughs>